welcome to the Herbal Hour Natural Health Podcast with your host, Dr. Dan. Today, we explore the mysteries of the heavens and the stars. Our guest is a master in teaching and an astrologer of over a decade. Uh, he's a very close friend of mine and someone that I work with quite a bit. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and I hope you enjoy this conversation. Uh, we will be teaching a workshop on astrology uh, this April 10th and many more to follow. So if that interests you at all, you can check it out in the description, click the link, and we are offering some free tickets to that event next week. We're so excited that the Herbal Hour podcast has reached over 30,000 downloads. Uh, it's been a real blessing in my life and uh, a passion project, and I'm so glad that you guys are listening in and enjoying. Uh, I myself am a huge fan of podcasts. I always have them on in the background while I'm driving, washing dishes. They're just the best. You can get information easily. Uh, and there's just no, no medium like it right now. So very happy to be part of this. And uh, I appreciate you guys a lot. Astrology is, of course, a controversial topic in some sense because it's immensely popular and much talked about. But there's a great deal of uh, people who are very skeptical of it and say that it's all hogwash and that there's nothing of value in it. I think whatever you do believe about astrology or your experiences with it, there is something of value in it, something of significance. Before we get into the interview, I wanted to share four different explanations for why astrology works or what astrology is. The first explanation is something we're probably very familiar with in our culture, and that's that there is an actual uh, physical mechanism that can explain astrology uh, in scientific terms uh, so that the planets are actually exerting some kind of measurable effect, whether that's through uh, photon radiation, light, magnetic fields, uh, gravity, that kind of thing. Meaning that astrology can be viewed as the planets exerting uh, an influence, whether energetically or physically uh, upon people, and that's why astrology works. The second perspective given to us by Carl Jung is that astrology is a projection of the collective unconscious into the heavens. The practice of astrology might be understood as a symbolic system, a perspective in which the planets and the zodiac signs represent gods, that is, archetypes of the collective unconscious. That explanation could be described as the psychological, where everything that astrology uh, speaks of and defines are actually within the psyche, are by the ancients uh, observing the stars, the heavens, the movements of the planets, they actually projected their own internal psychic myths onto this world. So it was actually a form of self-knowledge or self-interpretation. A third perspective is that astrology is a kind of synchronicity expressed on a grand scale. Uh, being a kind of synchronistic event, it reflects a parallel or correspondence between the positions of planets and the experiences in human life. The idea of uh, synchronicity is something that Carl Jung himself coined. There's a great work uh, by him 
uh, looking into synchronicity. And in fact, he goes into some research there uh, that was actually done that looked at if a person's astrological sign had any relationship statistically to what kind of person, what sign that they would marry. Reading through that was actually pretty surprising uh, because it was statistically shown that there was uh, deeper factors at work because there was correlation uh, between certain signs getting married and others not, certain marriages working out and others not, uh, that had some link to astrology, which is of course incredibly uh, strange, specifically when you can show it statistically. Synchronicity is a very difficult idea to understand uh, and really expands out the horizons of the mind and how we think about uh, time and how one event causes another. In synchronicity, the idea is that there's some kind of relationship or connection between events that happen at the same time, synchronously. And that connection, that relationship, isn't that one causes the other, but that because they happen at the same time, they have some fundamental link. So the synchronicity explanation uh, would explain a common phenomena, like you having a thought about your friend and them calling you at the same time, as not that your thought caused that person to call you, but that there was some thing that happened, some intuition where your, you know, your friend calling you and you thinking about them was part of a whole package. And that, of course, points to there being some fundamental underlying unity to things and events. Another way to explain it is using Tarot. So the synchronistic explanation of why Tarot works is everything is connected by some deeper theme or meaning or archetype, everything that happens. So your idea and impulse to go pull a card along attached with your question and the pulling of the card are all kind of one event. It's very hard to uh, wrap one's mind around it, but it gives an explanation for why those kind of systems can actually be, you know, pretty astoundingly spot on. I actually had a very, uh, really spooky experience uh, when I was doing tarot uh, a few years back, something that I've explored and studied a lot as a kind of psychological tool for understanding the archetypes. I was doing a reading, it was with uh, the Thoth Tarot, and I don't quite remember what question I had or what I was meditating on before I did the reading, but as I was shuffling, one of the cards just, you know, shot out. And anyone who's done tarot might have had this experience. Uh, and it happens all the time, right? You're shuffling, sometimes a card falls out. The strangest thing, though, is that a card flew out and fell right in front of me. And at the exact, almost like within one or two seconds, it was really synchronous. Uh, I heard a loud shout from uh, downstairs. I was at my family home uh, on the East Coast. So the card flew out and I heard like a yell from uh, downstairs and like a sound, like a thump. It kind of just completely stunned me. 
imagine you're shuffling, a card flies out, and you hear something happen at the exact moment. So I had a very interesting feeling. I was both worried and kind of exhilarated. Now, that's not even the strange part of it. The strange part is, you know, I went to go check downstairs to see what had happened. And uh, my brother was walking around and it turns out that he had like tripped and fell on something downstairs. And uh, potentially, he actually didn't end up being hurt at all. Uh, but my mom had like yelled out uh, when that happened because she, she was surprised. Now this happened pretty much within a one second frame of this card flying out. Now here's where it gets very strange. And this is the part of it that was both amazing and kind of disturbing. If you're a tarot reader interested in tarot, think about what would be the strangest card that could fly out at a moment when something like that happens downstairs, someone falling over. Think about what would be the weirdest card. It's one of the major arcana, so the main 22 cards, so it's the picture cards. And the card that fell out was the tower. Now, if you know what the tower is, card number 16 in the tarot, you know the images associated with it, especially in the uh, classic Rider Waite deck. Uh, the tower card has an image of a tall tower and people, and it's on fire, and people are falling down off of the tower. You can see people falling off in the picture. Pretty spooky, right? Even more spooky because it wasn't even an interpretation card. It wasn't, you know, the death card or uh, another card that you could interpret as being metaphorical for a fall. It was literally the card that demonstrates a fall. And it fell, flew out of my hands at the exact moment that it happened downstairs. So what am I saying by sharing this story? I am expressing a potential explanation or uh, instance of a synchronicity, right? It's of course, not that the card that flew out made something happen downstairs related to it, but that there's some kind of hidden relationship, um, like a strange synchronistic phenomenon where two events are directly linked, even stranger by the symbolism of the card also linked, and by the, the general interpretation of the card, which does represent uh, you know, falls from grace, it does represent people being injured, people falling off their pedestal, uh, all manner of things related to a kind of uh, destructive sudden element, like an accident or a catastrophe is often described by the uh, tower card. Um, and I implore you to t take a look online, uh, the tower card and the rider weight and see for yourself. It's definitely a pretty uh, ominous type of card. So, if you've ever had an experience like that, it was pretty shocking. It was like a mixture of being really excited of, wow, is there really something in these tarot cards that's happening that I don't understand? Mixed with the fear of, oh, I don't know if this I should be doing this kind of thing really because I don't understand it. 
And the fourth perspective on astrology is something I've read in Jung's work that uh, for many years I had an intuition that this was the, the simplest, undoubtable way to explain why astrology is quote-unquote real or why it's even useful to, to learn. And that's something very simple. What is astrology? What is astronomy? In a lot of ways, astrology is looking at the changes of cycles, right? We know how long a day is because of the sun. And we use that as a unit of measure. Same thing with a moon, the month. And then we have a year, which is uh, the total time it takes the earth to go one complete lap around the sun. So our unit of measure and uh, time is based around these moving bodies, these cyclically moving uh, planets, uh, positions of stars, and that kind of thing. Now, what else uh, is expressed in a cyclical pattern? A human physiology has a cyclical pattern to it. We have a uh, circadian rhythm. Women have a, a menstrual cycle. Uh, turns out men actually have uh, a kind of uh, sexual cycle as well, but that's less well understood. And then we have the changes of the seasons, right? So our, our bodies and really all life on the earth evolved uh, to be connected, adapted, and to be cyclical with the patterns of nature. This is a very Taoist idea. So let's take something like astrological signs uh, to demonstrate this point of the seasons. Uh, every area of time, about a month, uh, correlates with a different sign, right? So I'm a Sagittarius born in December, uh, so that falls in the winter. So I was born during the winter and conceived uh, during the spring of the previous year. So we know, of course, uh, scientifically, and everyone has some intuition and experience of it, that uh, the season that's going on has a large effect on the mind, right? During uh, the winter, there's one kind of state of mind that's typical, and uh, during the spring and summer, another. And we're adapted to moving with these cycles, right? And that, of course, has to do with levels of light, the temperature. And in something like a circadian rhythm, but on a longer uh, time scale, like a seasonal cycle of humans, which, of course, uh, evolutionarily is very beneficial, right? To do the right thing for the right season. So during the winter, you're, there's not really too much food to be gained, so it's really more of a kind of rest and introspection and hibernation time of the year. But during the spring, where all that new life comes, you would think that it would be wise for the body to be evolved to have increased activity, motivation, inspiration, etc., to be in line with what's happening in nature. You know, the, uh, the spring is the blooming of, of life and the kind of rejuvenation, right? That's why the Easter is celebrated in the spring. It's about birth rebirth uh, after that long death of the winter. So now think about 
how it would influence someone to be born during a specific season, right? In the first uh, you know, few months of their life, arguably the most formative of all. And that makes me think, would a winter baby have a different kind of temperament and personality than a summer baby because of their environment, what's going on, that kind of thing? It makes a lot of sense to me that there would be some kind of relationship to when you were born, your early formative years, and who you are and become, and that there would be a way to kind of track this. And that's uh, astrology as far as birth charts, natal charts, that kind of thing. Now, the ancients were studying the stars and the planetary bodies and very focused on the cycles of time. Uh, if they were really good scientists and observant, they would be uh, pulling together the information they could around certain times of the year and noticing those correlations. Well, when this planet is here, these kind of things tend to happen in society or internally in the psyche. Um, at this di uh, different time, other things happen. And then you can even zoom out uh, much farther and look at astrological ages, like the age of Pisces or Aquarius. Uh, astrology is one of the most ancient sciences there is, arguably tens of thousands of years old, maybe even older than that. So imagine all that information gained uh, about this naturalistic explanation of how the cycles of time and the seasons affect who you are and uh, how you think, how you act, and what society in the world is. So I'm wondering, which of those four explanations or alternate explanations that I didn't talk about resonate most with you about astrology and uh, why it works? You can uh, send me a message with your answer at uh, naturaldrdan on Instagram. That's doctor spelled out. So natural, D-O-C-T-O-R-D-A-N. That's my new Instagram account. Uh, you can also use it to stay in loop on uh, upcoming classes, workshops, I'm teaching, and my uh, clinical work as a naturopathic doctor. So uh, follow me on Instagram. Send me a DM if this is a topic that interests you and I wanna hear uh, your insights into it. We can get into a wider conversation about the significance and the whys of astrology. If that kind of thing uh, interests you, or you'd like to learn more about the tools of the astrological science, like chart making and the specifics of different terms, uh, myself and Professor Eric Anderson are co-hosting a class for my new passion project, Academy. Uh, it's called Sacred Sophia Academy. It's at sacredsophia.org, S-A-C-R-E-D-S-O-P, hia.org. Uh, we'll be teaching an online workshop uh, upcoming this April 10th. And for those who can't make it, we're also sending out uh, recordings of it. So thank you guys so much for listening. And now let's jump right into the discussion. We have a special guest today, uh, Eric Anderson. He's a, a teacher of history and social studies, uh, an avid astrologer and a good friend of mine. Uh, and today, on the Herbal Hour podcast, we're going to be talking about the different aspects of astrology, the psychological manifestations of it. I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, Hume's views, uh, the archetypes in astrology, the myths behind it, 
Thanks for having me on again, Bog. I love your pleasure. show and uh, it's doing a lot of good for the world. So uh, I'm glad we can be here together again and talk about astrology. Uh, you know, we are very lucky to be able to work together and hopefully do something really great with this topic. And yeah, definitely not something to discard. Uh, and it seems like the, the youth of today are trying to pick this up again and, and see what astrology can teach them. And, uh, you know, I, I know we're going to talk a little bit about like pop astrology and how that ties into all of this and in terms of getting people interested, which is not a bad thing at all. Um, but the depth that astrology has to uh, offer, uh, uh, you know, someone who's seeking knowledge about themselves or the world uh, is immense. And so I'm really excited to talk about this with you today because it's significant um, in whatever way we seek to make it significant for ourselves. And it's, it's, it's a personalized mm -hmm. experience, um, you know, and, and, I, and you can get out of it whatever you want to get out of it. Whatever you decide to put in is what you'll get out of it uh, when you study astrology. And, you know, I could speak for myself in the sense that it's, it really helped me understand my strengths and my weaknesses, mm. and, uh, who I was as an individual at a time when I was forming my identity, uh, you know, that kind of uh, critical time in one's life when they're, you know, maybe they've graduated high school, they're in college, they're trying to figure out what their future is, you know, what, what they want for their future and, you know, who, uh, what kind of person they are and what are their values, right? All these important questions mm -hmm. um, that Jung would say are, are part of coming of age, you know, they're mm -hmm. so crucial to being a well-adjusted individual in, in the world. And so astrology provided that for me. It was a way for me to take a deep psychological dive, uh, you know, and inquire within of, of who I was and, and what are my desires and my dreams and my fears. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, there's, there's no punches held back here when you're, when you're diving in to learn about yourself in astrology. Mm -hmm. Prepare to be honest with yourself. Right. Prepare to, you know, take the good with the bad. And mm -hmm. at the end of the day, realize that you're going to be a much more empowered individual psychologically um and and hopefully you know philosophically and sense of mm -hmm. the values that you'll be able to identify what what your life purpose is mm -hmm. so yeah very grateful uh that astrology is still relevant and uh, maybe even becoming more scientifically uh supported than ever before with some of our advancements mm -hmm. so a very exciting time for astrologers and people absolutely yeah it, it it really is um especially in the past you know few decades there's been uh, a lot of work in looking into astrology through like a different lens, through a healing lens, through a psychological lens, through an archetypal mythical lens. Um, and I think that's, that's a good approach for astrology because, you know, uh, a healthy dose of skepticism is, is good. You know, you don't want to uh, fall into erroneous beliefs, but what I find with astrology on the surface level, like the kind of pop astrology is that any very critically thinking person uh, especially if they tend to be more skeptical, might throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. Uh, they might just throw out all of astrology as BS because some of it is BS. Like, uh, just very, I would say for, for me in my experience, just very general horoscopes, like, uh, you know, on Sunday, this is going to happen to you. I mean, if, if those are actually accurate, that's amazing. And it says a lot for astrology, but yeah. Uh, anyway, not to segue too far. I wanted to say something. Uh, the the listeners of the Herbal Hour podcast uh, might be interested to know that uh, one of my favorite herbalists of all time is a traditional herbalist, uh, Matthew Wood. 
might have heard about him. He talks a lot about the uh, the energetic side of plants as well as the, you know the scientific and um, physiological aspects. He <clears throat> he described astrology in a very interesting way that uh, I really took to heart. And he said, you know, whatever you believe about astrology, it's a system of, you know, symbols and signs that when you learn it, you begin to be able to speak a new language. And that language is not just having to do with the cosmos and the stars. It, it's to do with anything. Um, Nicholas Culpepper, I love bringing him up. He's a 1500s uh, English herbalist. He was very revolutionary in that he brought uh, he brought herbalism to the people, kind of like, you know, uh, Martin Luther or even, you know, Carl Jung or Paracelsus, their big kind of great work was taking these mysteries or whatever field they were in and bringing them to the common people because uh, during those times, medicine was all in Latin. So you had to know how to read Latin to understand anything. And it, it created this kind of imbalance of power where it's, uh, you know, the medical authority, you just believe them no matter what. Um, and then these kind of people are very revolutionary in bringing it down to common language. And Nicholas Culpepper was like that. Um, he made, a, you know, a materia medica of herbs that was kind of in more common language. It wasn't, uh, it was something that somebody who, you know, is just looking through their garden, wants to see what does this plant do? What does that plant do? And kind of basically, um, you know, like in the Wizard of Oz, when the, when like the curtains go back and you see Oz, he kind of did that for herbalism, because there was, of course, a very like protected, like you have to be, you know, a doctor in this field and speak Latin to be able to talk about herbs, but herbs are, you know, everybody's, uh, everybody's right and, and nature herbs are all around us for, for our use, not just through practitioners, but just for our own lives and our own, um, our own usage. Uh, Nicholas Culpepper, he was one of the first sources that I've seen that had a very heavy emphasis on uh, the astrological significance of herbs. So he talked about like solar herbs, lunar herbs, uh, herbs with uh, Venus energy, uh, etc, mercury energy and all these things. And uh, the reason I bring this up is it kind of bridges the gap uh, on the healing side for me, because the way he was using astrology and the way Paracelsus did, it's almost like they were talking more about like a symbolic archetypal language that just happened to be found from the stars and uh, these kind of things, but that could be applied to a lot of different arts and sciences like herbalism. So um, the way I like to think of astrological things is as, you know, qualities or symbols or archetypes. Um, and of course, understanding those, uh, you know, it's almost like a, it's the opposite to the kind of, uh, you know, reductionistic analytical science. It's more of the pattern-based, intuition-based, bringing things together, connecting the dots to come to truth rather than separating them apart. To, and they're both useful approaches. They're almost like two different brain approaches. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so that's, that is uh, a way of viewing astrology for somebody. Uh, we have we have a lot of uh, medical practitioners that listen to this podcast, naturopaths, nurses, herbalists, um, you know, acupuncturists and this kind of thing. And uh, they may think, well, astrology is kind of interesting for, you know, finding out your destiny and things like that, but it doesn't really apply to my work. And uh, I would say that 
that it does. So that it, it's a definitely an article of interest. So if you're somebody who's really into astrology and uh, and herbalism, uh, I highly recommend uh, taking a look at the works of uh, Nicholas Culpepper. It's C U L P E P P E R, fifteen hundred uh, uh, English. Uh, herbalist and he has you know uh, the same as with any materia medica where you would go in and uh, see a plant what's its name where does it grow uh, what are its medicinal qualities it would also have you know like an astrological symbol Uh, uh, and that's kind of interesting in in our work together you on the very the nitty-gritty the technical aspects of astrology and chart making and things and me on the more from the healing angle and the herbalism it would be interesting to see what could be better understood with a kind of comparison of like, well, you know, Nicholas Culpepper said St. John's wort, for example, was a solar plant. It's got bright yellow leaves. It brightens the spirits. Paracelsus said it drives out uh, demons, phantasmata, he called it, ghosts. Uh, What we would call today, you know, anxiety and depression, this kind of thing. And uh, that kind of thing interests me a lot. It's this very holistic way of viewing uh, like, on the one hand, you might be doing chemistry, but you're also doing astrology and you're, you know, it's a more holistic way of viewing the world. Um, yeah, so I, I went on a, a little bit of a, of a discourse on that, but I, I wanted to, uh, you know, frame this for people who are listening to this in terms of, you know, their wellness or their, their health. Uh, so that segues perfectly into what what, what is like the healing potential of astrology for you, you think? Like, what is studying astrology, learning about astrology, learning about yourself? How does that fit into the, you know, self-discovery, the healing journey, you can call it? So I'll try to remain within the confines of what we already discussed a little bit. And you've mentioned Jung a bunch of times. So, you know, Jung was all about the concept of individuation, mm-hmm. uh, of an individual becoming, you know, whatever they're supposed to become in this life and serving whatever purpose uh, for others, as well as themselves, whatever their higher spirit, soul, whatever you want to call it, psyche's goal is, um, I think astrology is, can be used for that. And so it can be practically applied, like you said, if, if you know, mm. uh, the signs and the planets are associated with, uh, you know, different herbs or, or different, even just different, like parts of the body. psychological archetypes, energies, the- moods, personalities. The correlations are endless. And so, mm. like you said, astrology is a language. One of my favorite astrologers, Dane Rudyard, who was a study, you know, studied Jung, uh, you know, was a, a Jungian, uh, you know, a follower of Jung um, and, and tried to apply Jungian psychology to astrology. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of precedent here for what we're talking about. This is not like uh, some grand new idea that we're coming up with. This is something that we're just, you know, adding to that's been worked on over the last 100 years plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is awesome because it's it's a it's a growing field and people are applying this not just in the realm of physical science but also in psychological science um, where you have social workers applying astrology to help um, you know individuals with issues they're going through um, or or couples you know uh, who are trying to you know heal any rifts or anything like that mm-hmm. um, so you know it's a language and it can be applied in in any way you want it to be and that's what makes it healing so you know mm-hmm. if you're trying to figure out. Um, you know, the right time to, you know, look for a new job or move somewhere, you know, that it it can be healing astrology in the sense that it it could guide you to understanding when the appropriate Mm. time is perhaps to 
uh, venture off into in a new endeavor. That's uh, that's an interesting phenomena of uh, history too. That there would be this you know court astrologer that you know the king would uh, say, "I got to do so and so." Uh, what's the best time to do this? Or, you know, what should I prepare for around this season? And they would, you know, uh, they really treated it like a science. They'd be drawing up charts, making measurements, looking at the sky. I mean, they weren't just sitting around, you know, fluffing. They were, they were really doing something. Um, what do you have to say to that? Those, those earlier uses of astrology, uh, where it was like actually something that people took really seriously. It wasn't just like a hobby or an interest. It was like, this is like the king needs a person to do that, just like he needs somebody to be like a military advisor, just like he needs, yeah. et cetera. So it's an esoteric thing, even uh, it was back then, and it is still today. I know, uh, you know, that the Chinese are still using court astrologers to this day. Mm, really? Um, you know, this is, this is I, I'm sure, I know, I think Reagan, Ronald Reagan used a court astrologer after he was assassinated or That's really assassinated him. So like, yeah, you look into it and it's, it's, uh, you know, we think of it as having been only used in the past, but it's still being used today um, by very prominent people. And it would probably be surprising, uh, you know, if we realize more of the names. But either way, it's it obviously, yeah, as a, as a predictive tool, astrology can be very useful, um, you know, and, and history proves that so. And, um, you know, what they're doing is they're not just looking at the chart of the day, you know, they're saying, oh, today, you know, Saturn's over here and it's making an aspect with um, you know, Venus over here or Mars over here, and we should avoid going to war now and wait till another week or whatever, right? Um, but they're also using that chart of the day of like the chart of the world where it's at now. And they compare that chart with the chart of the individual who's supposed to make that decision or, mm. or who has the final say and or, or is leading this endeavor. Or whatever to see if it's like in accordance. Yes. Interesting. So that's really where it comes into. Those are called transit charts. And that's a huge part of astrology. I would say transit charts really got me engaged uh, with astrology and, and showed me the, the truth, um, mm. you know, the, 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 I guess the, the veritable evidence behind how it could be effective in helping an individual. Mm. It wasn't just for me, you know, reading about what the sun and Scorpio means, you know, for my chart or, or where the planets are in a certain sign or, or the aspects they make in my natal chart, right? The transit mm. charts comparing where the planets are right now at this moment to my natal chart is really what got me realizing, whoa, like this mm. is, this is effective because I was, you know, I was going through a Saturn transit, uh, when I was I, like, I guess, nine, turning 20 years old, I was 19 turning 20 years old. And it was, it was transiting my son, which is the very first degree of Scorpio. And I knew that, you know, once I saw that, I, I think I discovered, uh, that it had transited the, my son, maybe like a, a month or two previously. I had already been going through a very tumultuous time in my life, a tumultuous coming of age of coming to identity of trying to figure out who I am and what my, my life purpose is and dealing with the, you know, the struggles of maybe not having been aware of those things and being misled um, from, from my path. Mm -hmm. What I learned is that, wow, so this is happening. You know, I'm going through this because, you know, there's this planetary transit occurring with this planet Saturn, which is a very, you know, uh, you know, potent archetype. What is that Saturn archetype? To Saturn, you? Saturnian archetype, you know, Chronos in ancient ancient Greek, mm -hmm. um, you know, Chronos means time. So Saturn, yeah, you know, the archetype of Saturn is viewed as the the limit, the limitations and and uh, constriction and challenges, but it also, 
you know, allows you to get to build with that energy, right? That energy that kind of constricts you and forces mm. you to kind of uh, deal with what you have. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's challenging energy, it's dynamic energy, but that allows you to then use that mm. energy to build things with. So what is the uh, negative side of it? Cause whenever I hear about Saturn, you know, how there's all those old songs, uh, you know, that someone has like a bad fate in the stars or there's a, they were born under a bad star. Yep. Uh, from a lot of things I've read, Saturn has that kind of connotation, that kind of really dark, uh, very uh, material, very uh, unforgiving, like, yes. you know, like the, the death of a loved one or something like that would be considered, you know, Saturnian energy, like the taking away of time, this like hard realization of your mortality these kind of things are what I think of. Yeah. Yeah, Whenever I see anything with Saturn, I just get scared. I'm like, Oh man, this is going to be rough. I know it's going to lead to good things, but it it doesn't mean that it's going to feel good. It's known as a malefic, which means it's a planet that usually has a negative influence or at least a a more challenging influence. It won't be as it's going to be, I mean, but think about it in order to uh, become stronger when you're weight training, you have to break down adversity. Adversity makes you stronger. Right. And so that's what Saturn's nature is. It's that it sucks at first. And especially if you're not aware of it, you're going to feel like everything's falling apart. And what the hell is the point of all this? But it's actually breaking things down so they can be built up in a much more effective way, in a much more supportive way that can help the individual mm. uh, take the next step. And does that, um, does that tie into uh, a Scorpio, your sign at all? Is there some relation with, with those planets? Um, um, so the ruling planet of Scorpio is Pluto. Um, you could maybe make connections with Saturn and Scorpio or Scorpionic energy in the sense that they are, I guess, perceived as challenging energies. But Saturn's ruling sign uh, or the sign that's associated with is Capricorn, which is okay. It's very like earthly, like Saturn is dense. seen as like the heavy, dense earth. Like that makes sense. Yeah, like, you know, kick your ass basically and, mm-hmm. and teach you something about it. I mean, yeah. And so that's what I learned through my transit was like ultimately after Saturn hit my sun. I became aware of, of what was going on and in, in, in the nature of astrology and the nature of really the nature of challenges in one's life and, and what they're there, what they're trying to teach you. Instead of trying to struggle against them, you work with them in order to uh, grow and actually mm-hmm. gain some real progress. So mm-hmm. it, it aspected my rising sign, my Mercury, my natal Pluto, which is all in conjunction with each other. Those three things that I just mm-hmm. mentioned in Scorpio. So after that transit, um, I was in a, much better place. I, w- I, I basically knew who I was. I knew what I wanted out of life. I, I embraced my, my mm. strengths of being a Scorpio. That transit, challenges of is that every uh, seven years or, or 13 years? What is the... So Saturn does a full... I'm glad you asked that because that's a really important part of uh, Saturn mm-hmm. uh, lore, especially transit mm-hmm. lore, is that... Um, so Saturn makes a full uh, cycle, the full conjunction with it, within itself, uh, within its cycle... Uh, over 29 years so when you're born 29 years wow wherever saturn is when you're born uh, it will take 29 years for it to return back to that place again whoa Um, so So it's so it's on a 29 year is that is that related to its rotation around the sun i'm not too familiar with the orbital dynamics of uh, saturn because it's pretty far out of the ring right so it would make sense it would take a long time yeah i don't know if it's its cycle is 29 years exactly it that would be nice if it did align that way i know it's related to the earth as well but um, if you want to like take a look that up i will i I will i'll take a peek look look it up um you know and see see it's probably related in some way maybe it's like not exact but that would make sense right because you know you wouldn't see it in the same spot in the sky unless it had done a lap right 
Right. That's how right, cycles right, right, right. work. So that would make sense. Yeah. To me. And um, the planets like Pluto and stuff take, you know, hundreds of years to make an orbit. And we're learning about that now with the you know, United States Pluto return. That's getting a lot yeah. of press and publicity in the, the mainstream. And, you know, it's uh, yeah. there is something to be had there, but it, it's, you know, I don't know if it's being uh, adequately unwrapped um, for people, the average person to really understand what that means, not just for America, but the world and for themselves as individuals. Mm-hmm. I just want to say one more thing about Saturn with yeah. the cycles. So um, when it makes a return, it's a big moment. So, you know, obviously when Saturn is transiting your planets, like I mentioned, that happened to me um, basically around 10 years ago now, um, you know, that that's significant when Saturn transits your planets uh, individually. But when Saturn makes a full return, 29 years, uh, it's a big moment. And you're going to usually face things that maybe you weren't facing adequately, or you're going to face some challenges that are mm. necessary for you to basically overcome if you're going to live um, at least a more comfortable life quarter life crisis adversity quarter life crisis so when you when saturn makes another return when it comes back around when you're 58 um that's kind of like maybe a little later than half-life crisis but it, it's a, it's a time when people face critical health issues um and so i don't know if people listening maybe could relate to this if they know anyone who's who's died around that, that age of 58. It's a, it's an age when men are seen to die of heart attacks very, very often. Mm. Um, my, my grandfather, my papu, my Greek grandfather died at 58. And so it's not uncommon that when you have your second Saturn return, um, that Saturn comes some catastrophe, some catastrophe, happens. some sort of crisis. And, and whether, you know, if you're lucky, you'll survive it. And then you really will have to take some drastic action to, yeah. to really uh, overcome it because it can take you out. And that's kind of what happens is these big planetary transits, especially the outer planets that are bigger and take longer to come around when they make uh, aspects to your inner planets or um, you know, your rising, let's say, um, or, or they're in a certain house within your chart, which we'll talk about you know, in, a, in a bit perhaps, um, they can mean big, big shifts in your life and potentially um, you know, fatal uh, you know, uh, occurrences. It's ominous. That's very, very yeah. Saturn. That's my impression of it. Uh, there's a malefic. What is that? Uh, there's a tool, uh, you know, there's a tool song, uh, the band tool. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think it's on lateralis where they they actually uh, have a lot of astrological reference. It's like Saturn comes around uh, these kind of things. And it's like a very like hard, dark song. That's always how I felt about uh, kind of like, Saturn, like Saturn is, in my view, like, uh, if you view it psychologically, or archetypally, Saturn is kind of like, like a, like a demon that you have to face, but they're a wise demon, they teach you, like, through adversity, they might even exactly. like scare you, they're not there to harm you, though, no. they're there to show you something like, kind of uh beyond because they're at like the bosses. most they're yeah like they're bosses. like a final they're, boss and they help you yeah. move up evolutionarily they're mm-hmm. they, they basically take you to an evolutionary stage and yeah how much you're willing to fight against is is how difficult the yeah. experience is going to be versus how much you're able to work with the energies and, and allowing them yeah. to uplift you and time you know chronos that that myth of time eating its children that's that's true time like all of life through the process of time, or we can call it uh, uh, cycles, goes through a lot of transformations. And one of those transformations uh, is death. And that could be a very difficult one to obviously to, to watch someone else go through because it puts everything kind of back into this really uh, kind of hard-headed perspective 
Um, and I think about that a lot, you know, the, the limitedness of our time, uh, it is a lot of times it's seen as kind of morbid, like being preoccupied with death. It is compelling. compelling. It's, it's, it reorients your view because it's kind of like a truth that you can't get away from. And it, it almost like organizes your life, right? When you're, you know, you're sitting around, you're like, uh, what should I, you know, what should I do today? I got some free time and stuff. Or like, you're having some difficulties. Just think about the fact that, you know, your, your life is, uh, you know, it's limited, regardless of what one believes about what happens in the afterlife and things. This life, this life, you as you, who you are with your life, your family, your people, your, uh, you know, your destiny is, is probably only going to happen once, uh, even if there is reincarnation or something like that. Um, so, so remembering the fact that it ends, it, it has like the, almost like a paradoxical effect. Cause it's like, death is like the most morbid, bad thing, right. That you can think about. But when you think about the fact that it'll happen to you and that it's a process of nature, that's just, you know, it's, it's, it's like two sides of the coin, life and death. Like if you're afraid of death, like you're afraid of life, you know? And that's where that connection with Scorpio comes in because the, the mm. sign of Scorpio is also associated with transformation and rebirth and, you know, I think Saturn is more like the one side of the coin where it's like, here comes the, the, the reality of it. And then Scorpio is like, okay, now, you know, find a way to, to push through and, and, and dream away uh, to overcome the reality that you're facing and how do you go yeah. beyond it? So, you know, yeah, I think um, Saturn's like a very memento mori kind of. Uh, yeah, memento mori, memory of death. Archetype in the, yeah. In the chart. Yeah, it's, it's that, uh, they talk about it, uh, in alchemy and and also in Chinese medicine, it's a very interesting concept. In uh, in Chinese medicine, uh, they talk about this uh, transformation of energies, where at supreme yin, yang is born, and at supreme yang, yin is born. Mm. So the the energies like the polarities, positive negative, uh, masculine feminine, you know, good bad or evil, etc. At their peak they transform into the other. Uh, and the alchemists talk about that the, the, uh, the greatest fire, the alchemical fire is at the centers of the earth. Uh, it's a metaphorical statement, meaning at the complete depths of uh, materiality, the immaterial comes born. Uh, and that's kind of how I uh, view that like Saturn, that dark, that de uh, like death energy, the time, the kind of, oppression is at its ultimate peak if experienced yeah. rightly it flips into just the opposite which is like direction purpose actually yeah. life actually yeah. death gives you life when properly realized it gives you true life not like putting off life not right it puts everything into perspective you know like if you ever have a big life decision to make just think about the fact that your life will end and that from some zoomed out point of view like it almost doesn't even matter what you do and uh, from some zoomed in, it, it matters infinitely what you do, just but only because it's just what you want to do or what you think is right or what is best for yourself and others and uh, your, your mission and path and stuff. You talked a little bit about Scorpio, and that is, of course, your astrological sign. Uh, so so what is what is being a Scorpio mean to you? <laughs> this is going to be very controversial now. Please. Uh, uh, we like controversy <laughs> on here. We've already had some controversies on here. <laughs> Nothing well, too you know, though. it's um just like Saturn is is viewed as a malefic, and, and when people hear like Saturn transit, they'll they'll feel like an internal like ooh, like don't want that, avoid, right? Scorpios have a very similar sort of, uh, or when people hear that someone is a Scorpio or find out 
that unfortunately someone that they might have, you know, were into. So people are hating on your sign, basically. <laughs> like you're a Scorpio? Well, no, I'm not going to go on a date with you. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I think we're we're highly misunderstood <laughs> in, in in a way. Uh, once again, just like death is misunderstood as being only a bad thing, and you don't see the other side of it. You know, the the opposites, like you were talking about. Scorpio is similar. You know, we're very intense. Um, you know, we're seen as like as like a dark, mysterious figure, or something that's unknown and we know the unknown and is a scary thing in this world. So, you know, I, I found that uh, once I discovered what it meant to be a Scorpio, I was like, oh, wow, this really is who I am. And it helped me become more comfortable uh, accepting who I was um, because I realized that I, I'm just supposed to be this way, you know, and, and that uh, my faults mm -hmm. of being a Scorpio are what they are and that I can become conscious of them. And What are some uh, not, specifics? Not of how the Scorpio interpretation aligns with your own insights into your personality and who you are. What are the things that are like right about it? Let's yeah, say. yeah, yeah. So what I found to be correct when I was, you know, first looking into it, this is that, um, you know, hyper-focused, uh, you know, especially in what we desire, like we're very clear in what we want. Um, like a lot of times the key word of, of this, of the Scorpio is I desire. So mm -hmm. we know what we want. We know what we're passionate about. Um, we're not going to be like, uh, you know, lily livered or, or kind of like scattered in, in a lot of different things. You know, we're going to pick three or four things to, to really like hammer down on and mm -hmm. uh, don't try to get in our way if we're going towards those things. You know, mm -hmm. like that, those are what's important to us. We know uh, what our key values are in that sense. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so that was definitely something that I realized like super passion, super passionate. Like I've always been passionate about being Greek, knowing, you know, history and, mm -hmm. um, you know, or, or really just anything related to knowledge and learning. I really liked a lot. Mm -hmm. um, maybe some of the the negative things. I mean, you can be too passionate about something, become obsessive, right? Mm -hmm. So we have a tendency to become obsessive about things. Mm -hmm. um, you know, also maybe being, uh, I guess we could be a little bit like loners in a sense, because we need that time to kind of process and also uh, re, uh, recalibrate. So like, um, you know, as a Scorpio, we need a lot of alone time just to feel comfortable because it, being around others, we're very sensitive. We absorb a lot of energy. Mm. And I, you know, growing up as a, as a young person, I, I, I had a, a penchant for trying to be outgoing, yeah. but I knew that it was taking a toll on me. Like, even though I was like, but I, I know I want to be out there in the world. Like I, I have a somewhat of an extroverted yeah. personality, but that introvert mm -hmm. uh, element of my personality was always suffering. It's a water that. sign, I right? I wasn't balancing it. Yeah. It's a water sign. Um, it's ruled by the planet Pluto, um, which apparently they just found ice volcanoes on Pluto. Ice volcanoes. How does that work, right? How is that? I can't even conceive that, right? Wow. I'm going to definitely yeah. look into that after. <laughs> I want to see what it's probably like some maybe frozen gases or something. Like what? The yeah. Heck? It's, it's, it's very interesting. To it's hard to conceive of something like that, which I think Scorpio, once again, is a hard yeah. sign to crack. And we are mysterious. There's a lot of. So basically, society is shadow. trying to, uh, society is trying to phase you out of existence, right? Because they said Pluto is not a planet anymore. So. Does yeah, that they, they, does that devalue? Uh, is that a shot at Scorpios? Is that what it was about? <laughs> I would say Scorpios are probably the most canceled sign, mm. uh, you know, and, and because people are uncomfortable around uh, and, um, uh, emotion. The water symbolizes uh, emotionality emotion. and things like that. And I've known you for yeah. a long time, and you uh, have you're very passionate when you're passionate about something in in all in all you know in all ways for for good or bad. All yeah, people yeah. are, but it's definitely more associated. Shortage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I remember some of our heated conversations we had, not against each other, but just about, you know, the things that we noticed and was going on. And 
you know, like you were practically like almost at the point of like yelling on the phone, like, what is, how could they do this? Like all this stuff. And um, yeah, I think that's why we, we bounce off each other good. And we love truth too. And, and that's like where the next sign comes in and you're a Sagittarius bog and, and our, mm. our charts are very similar. I have a, I have a planet in Sagittarius. I have Venus. You have planets in Scorpio, yeah. you have Mercury and Scorpio, Scorpio. So like there, there's a lot of correlation between those two signs. Yeah. And, and fire and water too. There's and, and Scorpio is a very yeah. fiery, watery sign. And Sag is kind of a very watery, fiery sign. Yeah. They're, both they're mutable. They're, uh, they call yeah. them mutable signs where they're not like a, the pure energy like leo is like a pure fire sign or uh so scorpio I think is actually Pisces. fixed too scorpio is fixed oh it's too. a fixed one yeah it is which makes sense because we are kind of like you know obsessive okay. kind of very focused so so scorpio is pure the pure water sign pure water technically yeah. really yeah, yeah i would have yeah. thought like aquarius or something would be the pure water or pisces so, was a fish. well yeah aquarius is an air sign which always throws people off that is um, confusing but it's the know, bearer pisces, of water yeah. pisces is mutable like sagittarius weird yeah. i would have interesting that's an yeah. interesting uh yeah well pisces think about it. it's the last sign it represents that kind of yeah. pisces swims in water it's a fish that swims in water so i guess it is in water there's yeah. that uh what's that famous saying of um you know of how we perceive reality of you know fish don't know they're swimming in water right they just that's the realm that they live in in fact they only know that they're in air because it's like not good for them <laughs> They're like, this is terrible. Right. What is this? This is death. Their yeah. Otherwise, it's just yeah. normal. And think about that. We we live uh, we live in the air. You know, we live on the land. We're we're uh, we're tied to the land, but we live in the air aerial plane, and we could also swim. And uh, the fire one, I don't I don't know about that. I guess we like sunlight. <laughs> I don't know. We go into volcanoes. Um, anyway, not to not to get too. Let derailed. me just say one more yeah. thing about um, about Scorpio and how it helped heal me. It was the understanding of the regenerative uh, power within myself that if I could really just believe in myself and use that uh, you know infinite well of passion that I have deep down, uh, I could do anything that I need to do in my life, whatever I need to overcome, whatever to change about myself. Um, you know, it, the, all the resources I need are there, and so that's what I learned through you know the, the saturn transit that i mentioned but and, and then just growing up and, and you remember um, any years. specific experiences where you were in like a pretty tough confused spot and then you kind of looked into astrology and you had kind of like an aha moment do you remember yeah. any like okay when that yeah. saturn transit occurred uh you know i got into yoga i started doing like a lot i started becoming aware of my physical body like which is what the you know the rising sign the ascendant is associated with your your, where your psyche meets the world, which is technically mm. your physical body, right? Your, your physical Ascendant, body. Ascendant, that's the rising, right? The that's rising. the rising yeah, sign. Okay. And they see that as kind of like that liminal space between your psyche and the world. And your body is like that thing that allows you to experience the world in that sense. It's your vehicle, mm. um, which I think is a great description for mm. what the rising represents. Mm. So when I went through that Saturn transit, it, it did, it wreaked havoc on my body, but all it was doing was really just showing me how, I, how my lack of awareness of my body had allowed me to fall into such a state of, of physical uh, discomfort. And so doing yoga was a way to bring awareness to the body. And, and yoga is a very regenerative, uh, self-healing tool 
And so that's what I realized is like, wow, like I, I have everything I need within me as long as I'm mm. informed. And I remember talking with yeah. you specifically, I came over to your house with a piece of paper and I was like, Bogdan, look at these dates and look at these transits from Saturn yeah. when they hit my planets. And it's insane how accurate it was. Way, way back when you, when you wrote, uh, wrote that chart for me with the, all the description, that stuff was you know, I've always been kind of a skeptical about, you know, whatever to just a little bit. I don't like to be one of those, uh, you know, d- doubting Debra's or whatever. No offense to anyone named Debra, but the chart you made was just like, it was so, it was so accurate. The things that you said would be the health issues that I would have and stuff. And I'm like, like, there's just, there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of concordance that is difficult, uh, to explain, um, and so people um, yeah. struggle with astrology because it's like, well, how is any of this real? Is yeah, this how does it work? Anecdotal, isn't this right. all just anecdotal evidence? And and yes, it is over thousands of years. <laughs> well, that, that's empirical observations yes. over thousands of years, and there's some sort of patterns, like you said, where some science yeah. is focused on analytical, some scientists focus on <clears throat> the bigger things, you know, the patterns, and that's where astrology finds its use. Yeah, and I, I just want to add something to that because it's a super important point for people who kind of. Uh, are looking for a connection into astrology. Maybe they don't necessarily believe that the vibrations of the planets are actually having like an effect. Uh, maybe they don't believe in that aspect of it. But the empirical side of it is important. Uh, what that means for, for people who you know haven't studied into different philosophies of knowledge and epistemologies and things, uh, empirical is, is basically truth through cumulative experience. Uh, without an explanation or rationale of why. So um, that basically, that's the way that astrology was was developed or discovered, however you want to call it. And it was a preoccupation, fascination, I'd say even an obsession of ancient peoples. Thousands of years, they were building gigantic monuments to uh, like astrological events. So they thought it was really, really important to them. Um, but the empirical approach is, uh, you can't say why something happens, but you just track that it does. So let's say, you know, every time I noticed, you know, every time Mars was in that spot of the sky, there was like a war. And then, and then, you know, every time I noticed, oh, people who were born when, you know, uh, the sun was here and their, uh, and their sign associated with them, the constellation associated with that, uh, they tended to be like this. And then you do this over millions and millions of iterations uh, where everyone's adding in like, oh, this, oh, that, oh, this, oh, that. So uh, there's a way to explain astrology in a way that might really blow people's minds is that uh, we don't actually even know what astrology is to some degree, but we know its effects. We know that there's like some predictability to it. And one thing I want to throw in there, and maybe we can speak more on this, uh, something that Carl Jung said, which I've, that's, it's always been my go-to view and perspective of astrology uh, against the skeptics, so to speak, which I am also, the skeptic in my own mind has to be satisfied. I don't, yeah, we all study philosophy. We don't just believe things, you know, we're open to it, but we need to explore. Um, uh, Carl Jung talked about uh, two facts, which I found very interesting. One, he said uh, that astrology is the sum of all psychological knowledge of antiquity. Bold statement. Wow. The second thing he said, he said that uh, regardless of your explanation of the planets and their effects, 
what we can kind of say, uh, what we can say for sure about it is that astrology cannot be thought of as, you know, separate from the seasons and the cyclical nature of time, right? Uh, so I'll basically prove astrology to you right here, right now on the Herbal oh, Podcast. Ready? Oh, wow. It's going to happen. Very, very simple. <laughs> very simple, right? Okay. Have you guys noticed that during the spring and every spring, you can like look, you could look back at different years. It There's a certain kind of energy about the season, right? A lot of new new opportunities, new possibilities, more enthusiasm, you know, uh, spring that kind of like the shoot coming from the ground, it's like the rebirth. And that's why we celebrate Easter during this time. It's like the archetypal mythological representation of something that we experience, but don't understand why. And of course, our bodies are tied into the seasons, right? So that's one example. You ever notice that during the depths of the winter, it's just like rough. It's very introspective. You might be sluggish, it's difficult to have energy, but you have a certain kind of reflective quality. You have more time to yourself. You, you look into deeper things. Um, and the summer has a certain energy and the fall, those like kind of transition seasons have a certain energy, right? Everybody, I don't think there's one person in the world, uh, maybe there is, but I don't, I'm exaggerating. Uh, it's the fact that the seasons affect us and that there's some kind of relationship to, you know, what month it is and generally the kind of things that happen, like conflicts tend to start, uh, start to escalate during the summer and early September. That's a lot of big events in the world have happened around that time. Um, that's the proof for astrology, regardless of what you want to believe, because the astrology is always tied into the season, right? Because if you say, you know, it's the, you know, it's the month of Pisces or, or something like that. That's, that's directly related to a seasonal cycle, which is real, experienceable. It's physiologically experienceable too, because not only do we have daily rhythms and monthly rhythms, we have yearly rhythms, like these kind of, uh, these ways through, you know, uh, biology evolution over millions, billions of years that uh, life is very synchronized with the cycles of nature because it has to be. You have to have a time to rest. You have to have a time for energy. You have to have a time to, you know, eat really heavy and bulky. They would say in uh, uh, Ayurveda, like during the winter, that's a time of like storage, bring energy in, uh, looking back at the year and not really starting anything new, just kind of reflecting, hibernating. And then during the spring, they say in Ayurveda, which I've uh, we've spoken about before, is uh, at the early spring, you actually want to eat much lighter. You want to eat a lot of like fruits and vegetables and kind of just eat light, do more intermittent fasting. Uh, Ramadan, actually, I think it just started last week. And I've been following uh, that general practice of not eating till night. That's kind of my intermittent fasting. That's always how I've done it. And I find that during this time when uh, it's kind of going from like that sluggish hibernation energy and everyone's kind of starting to wake up, this is a time to you know, um, to not put as much physical tax on your body to mm. go outside to eat light, uh, you know, not like super heavy, but uh, during the winter, it's just opposite, you want to have a lot of stews and beef and all this thing. Anyway, that's my play one more thing yeah. to that another cycle, uh, yeah. you mentioned the monthly cycle, the lunar cycles for me was a really big proof of astrology. That's a really good well. point. So, too. Hey, you know, after I discovered, you know, astrology's relevance to my own personal life and my own personal story, um, you know, I recognize the, the monthly cycles and the, really the weekly cycles, how the moon progresses. So 
you know, the month begins. We just had a new moon a few days ago um, on Friday. And it's a oh, great time to really start setting good, goals. Good, good energy, potentiality. Yeah. And then a week later, you got your, you know, you got the quarter moon. And by that point, you want to start taking action on some of those goals that you have to create some, you know, real, uh, you know, some actualization of, yeah. of those dreams. Thank you for adding moon. that in. Yeah. yeah Tibetan astrology. Tibetan yeah. astrology. Interestingly, I've, I've studied. That's probably one of the astrologies that I've studied the most. They actually, their main focus is all around moon cycles. That's like their main thing that they care about for practical purposes. I actually have it written down here somewhere in a book of like, they plan, even, even now they plan their life events. Like if they wanted to start a new company, like there's certain phases of the moon where that um, it's more auspicious, like it's better and it's more likely to be successful. It's not like it won't be successful if you don't, but you're optimizing for like, this is the kind of energy that you want when you're starting something new. Absolutely. You know, a full moon is a good time to like, see what you got from your uh, work so far. And, you know, and hopefully you start working with it if it's successful. And if not, you got the third quarter phase, you know, that's the following week where you're going to kind of just reflect and realize, well, this worked, this didn't, how am I going to change this for the next, you know, moon when I try to move forward with a, you know, with with the same project or with something new. And that those last few days, before the cycle ends, um, kind of like the month of Pisces in the year, that liminal phase that we're moving into the next, it's like the phase within phases almost. Um, it's called the balsamic moon phase. Uh, and I was born during this time. So uh, I usually like this sort of energy. It's kind of a time for resting, a time for- When, when is um, that? Is that a few days before the full moon or? It's no, it's uh, a few days before the new moon. Again, it's, it's basically at the tail end of the cycle. Once the once the moon is within 45 degrees of making a conjunction with the sun, uh, mm-hmm. which would make it a new moon again when the sun and moon mm-hmm. conjunct, that's when the balsamic phase begins. It's about mm-hmm. two days, two, three-ish days um, of time where, um, you know, the old cycle is really falling away and you're mm-hmm. kind of getting ready for the new one and stepping into the new one. So yeah. I always like, I love those times of the month um, personally because yeah. I feel like it's very dreamy. I do notice having more dreams in those times of the month as well. And it's yeah. a good time to really like let things go. If you're trying to purge something mm-hmm. like through energetically or, or physically, there, there is some clear, uh, you know, connection with the, the moon phases and how people feel like it's very common in the culture that like full moon, it has like a certain yeah. significance, like werewolves and uh, like these kind of occult mystical type things. And there's empirical data to back up that there, there the is, that's, that's the interesting thing. Times. Right. So my, um, I was talking to my, uh, my, my dad about this and he's very like scientifically minded. He's a surgeon. So he has to be like, he's very like cut and dry. He doesn't really necessarily believe in kind of like mystical things. And he's kind of skeptical about a lot of things. But when I asked him about, I was just interested, like, Hey, like, did you notice anything? Cause I was trying to get data for myself. Have you noticed anything, you know, does anything differ during a full moon, like your operations or anything like that? And, uh, what he told me, uh, in kind of like hushed tones, <laughs> it was, and, and he's, he doesn't usually talk like that. He said, it wasn't that there was like necessarily more emergencies and things like that, but he said they were weirder, like weird kinds of wounds and like strange occurrence. It's like, um, it's not that, you know, there would, was necessarily more issues. It's that they were of a strange quality, like things that you wouldn't see rare, unique, types of accidents and things like that. Um, uh, and what, what that makes me think of is 
you can explain it through physiology pretty simply. This is kind of an idea that I came to about, you know, how can we make that link with physiology and the moon? Like why um, increased light, right? On a full moon night, it's pretty bright. It's, it's bright enough to walk or, you know, we have a lot of pollution and light pollution clouds, but if you've ever been, you know, out in an area where there's light pollution, like out in a forest and the full moon is like, it's bright enough to like walk through a forest. Like it's pretty bright and your eyes get adjusted to it. And of course, light for life is the time for activity. Right. So this is a weird paradox. If you have light at night, and that could almost explain why there's increased incidences of things, increased activity, because normally people wouldn't be lurking the streets as much. Um, but when it's a lot more light out, you know, so many times like big events have happened on full moons in my life. And a lot of times they were like, I was like out hanging, uh, hanging out with people or, or going to see something. And I always had like a kind of like a vibe of the night, like this kind of interesting feeling it's hard to describe it's almost like of increased emotion but like it's not like necessarily express it's like you feel something fulminating something fulminating and it could be good or bad like it could be a negative emotion or it could be a positive one so if you're happy you're like strangely too happy if you're uh like yeah angry you're like weirdly angry where you're not even able to manage it and i've noticed that a lot of those times not looking for it, I would look up at the moon and see a full moon and I'd be like, oh my God. <laughs> and where it became pretty pretty predictable that if it's a full moon, okay. They, they also say that different ritual practices, meditation, that kind of thing is best done in association with the phases of the moon. Uh, yeah. And that's kind of how you you turn yourself from being a victim to being the influencer. And, and that's what Paracelsus talked about. He said that the stars and astrology rule over man, but when when uh when we learn them we can actually be the masters of that we could be the masters of that process that energy we can can not be destroyed by it but actually use it to you know further our goals in our life and i'm glad you bring that up because that's really the goal of astrology you know um is we're trying to become aware of these esoteric things that you know these these uh things that have been withheld from the average person this occult knowledge um, you know, if we can bring that down to the masses and if the masses can empower themselves to uh, do whatever they want with their lives and become individuated uh, beings, you know, our world would start to reflect that reality, which would mean our world would get better. So we have all these grand schemes of improving the world through all these collaborative efforts, which I'm not trying to say are uh, worthless, but I think they, they, some these collaborative efforts sometimes hit uh, roadblocks because the individuals that are leading them are maybe perhaps not as, uh, you know, as individuated as, as maybe they should be if we were trying to really lead a global movement. Um, I was reading something about that earlier today where, you know, like, uh, I think George Harrison said something about like governments and how they're just reflections of, of us. And so if we are, you know, uh, you know, the average human being is, is you know, struggling to get by and, you know, distrustful of others and, um, you know, just generally kind of uh, unsure of things, right? I mean, that's going to be reflected in, in the leaders that, uh, you know, make decisions for us at, at the grand scale. So, you know, uh, astrology, if, if, if it becomes too fatalistic, if we allow the, the stars to dictate who we are um, and, and use them as excuses for why we are the way we are, like, that's a big thing that I noticed that, uh, you know, because I'm a teacher in high school, a lot of kids are like astrology, just come on, like, 
You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not just like this because I'm a Gemini or or whatever sign. It's like, no, you're right. You're not just like that because you're a, Ge- a sun sign Gemini. There's eight other planets and your chart is interacting. You know, all of your planets are interacting with, with each other in different signs, mm-hmm. in different houses, making mm-hmm. different aspects. And there's all these layers of the chart that really help the individual get to know who they truly are versus just a very small snapshot, which is what a conventional horoscope is going to give you on a website. It's going to tell you what your sun sign, basically Mm -hmm. who you are, what's going to happen to you during this day or this month or this year based on only your sun sign and what your sun sign is generally doing with in transits with other planets Mm. uh, in the moment. When you have a whole chart that's uh, you know, waiting to be discovered. And, 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 you know, maybe the sun is not a very important planet in your chart. Uh, you know, some people would argue that for, for, for women, um, you know, that, that the moon is a much more uh, significant indicator of a, of, of a person's, uh, you know, individuality mm-hmm. or, or their, or their nature, their psychological nature. Mm-hmm. And so that's really where, um, you know, astrology starts to become an empowering tool is when we can use it to mm-hmm. inform ourselves in order to educate ourselves and then direct ourselves more mindfully in the world um, towards yeah. the things that we want for ourselves and, and for the you know the world itself mm-hmm. the world around us. Yeah, there's there's kind of like um, makes me think there's two camps of astrology. Uh, one is uh, more about kind of like foretelling the future and what's going to come like divination prophecy you're born on this date so on this date that kind of thing will happen and the other is as a as a language and tool for understanding the self understanding your life path and your decisions and it it mirrors in my mind directly the views towards uh, uh tarot or tarot which i've studied for quite a bit especially earlier on in my life um, where a lot of the way that it's kind of like typically showed of how to use uh, uh, tarot is, you know, you ask a question like, you know, what, you know, will I get the job or, you know, will I find a significant other or something like that? And then you go to like a reader and they say, well, you know, your card says like this, that, this, it's coming and this and that. That's one approach. That's kind of like the divination prophecy. And I think astrology has that aspect too. But then there's the other approach where, you're uh when you're reading tarot cards you're gaining an insight and a look into your own psyche into your own subconscious uh so when you pull the the reading and certain things leap out at you from the page like wow that's so on point there's uh like a kind of psychic resonance that you can't explain it's from the subconscious so there's that that side of it where uh tarot and astrology are ways for you to understand yourself and how well you're actually uh, first, you're learning the language of the psyche and, and psychology, the kind of subconscious yeah. dream symbolism and images that have their own nature. And, you know, they're not something we control. We're, we're learning how to interface with these things. And when we interface with them, we're more connected with ourselves. We're more able to gain insights about our life and, and be open to intuitions that we wouldn't have been able to rationally think through. But when you do a really good tarot reading for yourself, or you know you have a really good astrological chart. It puts things back in perspective, and uh, and then you start noticing like that there's it's hard to deny its significance. And you know what is that? Is a confirmation bias, Who, or is it like an actual thing? Honestly, we don't know, but we can say for sure that it is you know it is something that happens. That they those readings can be really accurate. Why? Is it because we believe them to be accurate? Is it because 
they become like a framework. Could be even weirder than that because these uh, kind of uh, myths, archetypes, because you know every astrological like constellation is associated with like a story, a myth, an energy. And the tarot is the the same way where uh, each of the cards has it has an astrological association too, an alchemical, and they're kind of like these symbolic images, these these archetypes, right? And uh, maybe when you're when you're going through this process and you're pulling cards, it's sparking things in your own subconscious mind. Maybe it actually is influencing your actions. The fact that you know you're like worried about something and you pull like a really good omen card, like maybe you go and do that thing and you wouldn't have done it. Maybe it changes your whole life. Like, so I want to kind of break out of this idea of, uh, uh, you know, it it doesn't have any rational explanation. I think it has a lot of rational explanations of different types, but that regardless of the case, they have many utilities and uses and you don't need to believe anything. Just uh, do the practice and see what you think. Because uh, my experience, I'm sure most people's experience will be is the more you look into it and read into it, the more mysterious it is, like, it doesn't give you answers, it just gives you more questions, especially once you start seeing the correlations, and you can't figure out a way to explain how it's the case, but it is. So it brings awareness of psychological processes and and things, uh, you know, that are uh, connected with all all of humanity, all human beings, like you said, the archetypes, it's, it's, you know, the archetypes just as they are and astrology is almost like a little game that you can throw them in and kind of see how you fit yeah. in there, like what your character is, like if you're a Sims character, right? And the Sims did use, uh, you know, astrological signs in order to mess around with how charismatic you were and whatnot. So mm-hmm. you could pick your skills that you had in the Sims mm-hmm. game and it would assign you a Zodiac sign that went along with that. Man, so I love, I love Sims, they man, since I was young, dude. That's the best right? game ever. They created a, an algorithm <laughs> that, that aligned with the Zodiac and what the Zodiacal archetypes would look yeah. like in a human being. So, you know, it's relevant in that sense. Like you said, whether or not you're a skeptic, it really doesn't matter. You can still learn a lot about yourself. And it just makes you aware of things, Yeah, um, aware of things about yourself that you might have not been as aware of in order to become more in control of your ac- actions and not be as unconscious in our actions, which is the goal of philosophy. I mean, Gurdjieff was huge on that. Like most humans are just unconscious of their to be to be even want. in line with our inco- unconscious, to be in line with our because that's like, uh, you know, the way Jung describes the unconscious, it's not a dead part of you. Not it's at all. everything. Yeah. It's everything you are. Every influence. Every factor. Everything, and it's alive and has a life of its own, and is uh, it it's unconscious insofar as we can't perceive it. Right. So like you're sitting and you get a thought to do something, right. Where did that thought come from? That's like the unconscious. You don't know. You just see the effects of the unconscious and conscious. And I think when they're, they're aligned together, you become that. Well, that's what you would say is integration, the sun and the moon, the negative and the positive come together. And now they're flowing off of each other where, you know, you're acting on your intuitions and, and, and you're not doubting, your deepest, uh, you know, convictions, because a lot of times we doubt our own like feeling and intuition, because you're like, Oh, it doesn't make any sense. But it kind of uh, breaks out of that uh, mold. One more thing I want to say, there are a lot of parts of of who we are, too. So you're mentioning, you know, all these things about the archetypes and young, it's, there's so many different parts of who we are. And um, because of that, we we feel conflicted at times. And we're Mm. like, what do we really want? You know, like, what is our intuition? How can I even Mm. trust it? Well, when you look at your chart, you'll see, yes, there are a lot of different parts of you. And sometimes they're 
Uh, sometimes they work harmoniously together to empower you. And sometimes they're, they're at odds and, and you need to learn how to balance, uh, you know, conflicting parts of your personality mm-hmm. in order to be a more, um, you know, a more efficient and functional functioning human being. So mm-hmm. that's the benefit of astrology too, is understanding all these different parts of yourself and how they work together mm-hmm. and how they work. Yeah. I think it, it just froze up for a second. Can you just go back to what you said before I paused the recording? Yeah, I was just I was just finishing up about uh, you know how these different parts of yourself um, you know you could see them in the chart and how they're interacting and mm-hmm. you know sometimes those parts work well together and they they harmoniously align mm-hmm. um, you know certain planets and energies work well together based on the aspect that they're making and other times they don't and that doesn't mean you know you're broken it just means that you have to learn how to work with that sort of uh, yeah. energy dynamic that you you've inherited and it could be, end up being really powerful and actually lead you to your greatest heights. Um, but you have to become aware of it and learn how to work with that. And so it's kind of like, you know, divination within yourself, uh, you know, yeah, you, right. can, you can divinate the world and what you could do in the world and look at the times to do things, but you can also figure out like, how do I just work within myself moment mm-hmm. to moment? And that's yeah. really where astrology becomes, um, you know, very, very mm-hmm. beneficial. One thing I wanted to add to that previous conversation of the unconscious and, uh, the archetypal nature of astrology is um, one thing Carl Jung said, which I found really interesting uh, in lines with the, the sum of all, uh, you know, psychological knowledge of antiquity, astrology being that, he said that the ancients, they projected the unconscious contents in the stars and where they thought they were learning about the stars, they were actually projecting their own psyche into the stars, which I thought was a really beautiful way to tie it all together. And that is, of course, why, you know, all the different constellations, they have a kind of mythological aspect to it. And if you've ever read Joseph Campbell, you know that mythology yeah. and psychology are, you know, it's hard to say if they're even different things. Exactly. So, you know, from a certain standpoint, then it's like, it's very real, because even if the stars were meaningless before that, um, we have now imprinted meaning on them, and it's right for the taking, you know, like, yeah. it's there, and it'll be effective for whatever needs we. Yeah, because it's the mind. Before. It's the, you know, exactly. the, at least that. That's like, that's what I fall back on because, you know, there, I mean, there's many mysteries in this world. So uh, it it could very well be the case that there is some weird, you know, natural process or law that, that, or synchronicity that dictates that the planet being there actually does have an effect. Maybe that is the case, but I can say at least it has psychological significance. And that part is undoubtable, especially once you read into you know, Carl Jung's look into it. And he went at it with such scientific scrutiny that it's like, at the end of it, you're just like, okay, astrology is real. It might not be real in the way that people think, or it may be, who knows? It's a know. mystery. It's a mystery in a sense, you know, and, and if, like, like a religion, you know, you can, you get out of it, whatever you decide to, you know, however deep you want to go into it. So, you know, I think it's, um, you know, I'm not saying it's a, it's a religion in and of itself, but it's a, as a mystery study, you know, as a, as a, something that you have to jump into and, you know, kind of have, if you have any preconceived notions, you know, try to challenge them and be skeptical. If you go into it as a skeptic and you are open to what you find, I find that that's, those are the people that end up getting the most out of it. Like I had a mm-hmm. student who was also a Sagittarius and, um, you know, when we did astrology this year, he was, he's a very smart individual. He wants to be a history teacher also. Um, you know, so I, I thought it'd be really great for him to try this and that he was very much like, there's no way, like, I just don't see how it's possible. Like, I don't, I don't really like how this works. And then I'm like, well, listen, suspend all this belief and take it for what it is a face value and see how it works out. Mm-hmm. And it ended up really, uh, astrology kind of flowered for him. It kind of, sh- uh, showed him, uh, it kind of, uh, you know, who mm-hmm. he was and, 
and, and, and what his purpose is. And he was able to understand it well enough to apply it to others and like read other people's charts already. Mm-hmm. And that's when he said it was even more confirming for him. The reality of it is when he was using the knowledge he had learned to talk to other people, even people he didn't really know that well. And they mm-hmm. were confirming it back to him that, wow, what you're giving me, the information you're giving me is resonating with me. I think that was the apparent truth. It's like, at that mm-hmm. point, it doesn't matter, you, you know, whether or not the answer is two plus two is four, like it's self-apparent that this is real in the sense that people are engaging with it. And we're, we're having this experience of mm-hmm. truth. And um, right. If it's you know, a true science, it's, it's always growing and changing. And, uh, yes. you know, everyone to find their own view and their own truth of it. Not, it's not a question of either you believe everything everyone says about astrology at once, or you just think it's all hogwash. There's millions of grays in between. And we both find ourselves on that uh, scale uh, where some aspects we uh, criticize, like a lot of the more kind of pop astrology stuff, like, oh, it's Tuesday. And like, you're going to find the love of your life. And like, uh, I mean, I guess if they use like the deepest aspects of astrological science to come to it, maybe there is some significance, but But I feel like they're kind of empty. They don't, kind leave, of they don't let us know that because they're like, oh, yeah, yeah no. this is the day you're going to meet your, your you know, love of your life. It's like, very oh, subjective. It's that very subjective. There's a, there's a Venus aspect going on, right? Or maybe yeah. the second house is involved or the sixth house is involved. It's like there's all these all these deep understandings of astrology when you study it. They're using that to create those very superficial level uh, predictions, which is why people might be like, wow, it's so accurate on that level because there is a science to it that people are calculating and that can inform the explanation that you're going to get for why something might be happening the way it is mm-hmm. or why, why your life is turning out in a certain way uh, at the particular time. So I agree, man, that's, that's a really important part of this that hopefully, um, you know, we'll unravel here. Um, and uh, you that know, gets me uh, into the, the next ahead. point. So um, an announcement for you guys, if you're still, uh, if you're still listening uh, myself and, uh, and Sir Eric, who was speaking to me, my name's Dr. Dan, by the way, uh, we are teaching an astrology uh, workshop next weekend, Sunday, uh, where uh, Eric will be going into the kind of nitty gritty of astrology, talking about uh, what natal charts are, the specifics of it, houses, the zodiac, really giving you kind of the tools for the science to really do the work of making a chart and interpret it, the real kind of more uh, practical aspects. And uh, I'm co-hosting that class and we'll be focusing in on the uh, on Carl Jung's views, the psychological, the metaphysical, and that kind of thing. Uh, some of the aspects I spoke about today are uh, little little gems from, from my studies in that area, but it can be very much explored deeper because there's uh, the myths of the stars, the archetypes in it, and everything like that. I feel like it gives you a, a rounder view of, of what astrology is, what its use is, um, that kind of thing. So you guys, uh, you can buy tickets online right now. Uh, the website is sacredsophia.org, S-A-C-R-E-D-S-O-P-H-I-A.org slash book dash online. Or you can just go on there and uh, click sign up. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's for next week. This is, it's going to be uh, an astrology 101 course. Uh, and in the future, we're planning on having much more in-depth advanced courses going into every specific, like the houses and uh, planets and really giving you a depth because, you know, you can take one aspect of astrology, like let's say planets, and you can probably teach like five classes on it, just the planets themselves. Uh, so yeah, if you guys are interested in that, check it out. Uh, 
we have a Planet to Online uh, event, so you can join in, and we'll also have recordings and things. And uh, it's uh, really excited because it's our our first like official class for uh, Sacred Sophia Academy, which uh, has been in the works for several months. And it's uh, a place for people to get together with their curiosity, learn, um, share information, uh, uh, really just peak curiosity and interest. And uh, inspired by the model of uh, Plato's uh, Academy, a place of people exchanging information, learning together, um, rather than giving like a degree or something like that. Uh, for fellow seekers and things like that, uh, you can reach out to me if that interests you, if, or if you have any questions. Uh, my uh, email address is d-o-c-t-o-r-d-a-n at letter k, letter t, herbs.com, drdankatherbs.com. Send me an email if you have any questions. Um, we're also uh, looking for instructors to help us teach in various topics. So if that's something that interests you, you want to uh, have a platform to, for education that you can share with people and uh, you want an open-minded academy that will let you teach classes on, you know, astrology or mystical topics or things that aren't typically things that you can really, uh, you know, go to a university and learn, uh, then let us know. So, so yeah, me and Eric. Next week, uh, it's going to be April 10th, Sunday at uh, noon Pacific time. And uh, if you can't make it, uh, just go to the website and uh, there's a sign up link for getting the recording. Uh, so you can you can watch it anyway, if you uh, really want to get into the nitty gritty. Um, and, and yeah, so I just wanted to let everyone know about that. And that's kind of the inspiration for getting this together. We want to uh, show people, you know, what's going on. And there's much to learn about astrology. Yeah, and I'm excited because, you know, when people join uh, the conversation about this, we, we all learn more about, uh, mm -hmm. you know, individuals and ourselves. And, um, you know, when you look at one chart, it's amazing what you can learn, not just about that person, but about human nature. And so it's an exciting thing when you can do this together and collaborate with other people. Um, you know, so this class, will, this first class will be very much, yeah, you know, an intro into a lot of these, you know, concepts, houses, signs, and what are they aspects, right? Um, but we're going to kind of take a little bit of a focus on the planets and as the, as the lead archetypes mm -hmm. uh, in this, you know, and when you look at astrology and um, through that, connect them with the science and the houses and hopefully mm -hmm. kind of weave together a general understanding, mm -hmm. you know, you'll be able to fill out your own chart and kind of start to dive into your own chart and, and understand at mm -hmm. least at the very end of the course, you know, who's your planetary ruler, who, what's the most significant planet in your chart. And then once you have that knowledge, you can begin to kind of start the journey of, you know, mm -hmm. does this planet really align with who I am? Mm -hmm. you know, is, it, is it a planet that's influencing me positively? Is it something that's kind of uh, having, you know, lording over me and kind of mm -hmm. taking control? And I don't really feel, you know, like mm -hmm. you have any uh, ability to kind of maneuver with it. So I'm excited for it. You know, I me think too, it's yeah. going to be, uh, you know, the first of many, um, you know, interesting uh, things that we have to offer at the, at the Academia. So uh, absolutely excited, absolutely man. thanks for the opportunity bob yeah uh, it's a it's a pleasure it's a, a area that's interested me for a while and i know you've been you know you've been studying astrology since i knew you i don't even know like 10 it's years like a ago decade now like i was thinking yeah. today i'm like wow it's been a decade that's yeah crazy. <laughs> uh yeah and another thing that we've been talking about focusing in and that uh kind of the the practical aspects of uh you know, having resources for how do you even come up with a birth chart or natal chart and giving you the tools of interpreting it. So we really want everyone to come away with something useful. We don't just want to talk about theories and concepts. Absolutely. We want, uh, that's kind of what this podcast is, us talking about theories and concepts. Yeah. But we really want to, uh, you know, uh, the class is focused around a more uh, uh, 
a beginner into astrology mindset, but the aspects of the archetypes and the deeper mythology, I think would be beneficial for any kind of astrologer because it's a continuation. Uh, but yeah, so you don't need any astrological knowledge. All you need is some general interest in astrology and that's, that's more than enough. And know your birth class. time. That's what I would say. Know what day you were born, and if you can know exactly. Yeah, if you can find your you time born, from your parents, that would be helpful if too. You know your birth time. That is yeah. super helpful for calculating your rising and understanding a lot about planetary rulers. If you don't know it and you never will find out, that's okay. There's always a workaround, but if you can find that out. That is definitely good information. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, it's Eric. Eric Anderson. And uh, Dr. Dan, Dr. Bogdan, and this is the uh, Herbal Hour podcast. And I uh, hope you guys have a beautiful day. Peace out.